0: Welcome everyone, thank you for joining us. This week is Parsha is Parsha's Ekev. Parsha starts off, If you, as our scroll beautifully translates, this shall be your reward when you hearken to these ordinances. I don't know exactly what the word hearken means, but I think it means when you listen to these uh, mitzvot that Hashem has given us. Um, and you keep them and you do them and then Hashem will guard for you as the covenant he made with the Avos that he swore to our forefathers Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov okay so but if you look at these words and you go through the Pasuk it gets a little bit funny why the Torah, Moshe who's speaking now Moshe is giving a speech to the Bene Israel. Why did Moshe choose to word, use the word Ekev? Ekev You should say im Tishm'u. If you listen, if you hear, why v'haya Ekev? What is that word being thrown in? The Rashi explains um, that the word Ekev comes from the word Akav, which is um, Yaakov. You know, Yaakov. Yaakov. Yaakov was named Yaakov. Because he was holding on to Esau's heel. The heel of Esau. So uh, Ekev is from the word heel. Rosh explains, what does that come to teach us? In the ha- mitzvot kalos, what is the Torah talking about? What uh, What is Moshe talking to, referring to at this point? The mitzvot that you should be listening to. It means the mitzvot kalos, the easy mitzvot. Adam dash That a person... St- st- Tramples on. It's an easy mitzvah. You don't really pay attention to it. It's easy to do. It's not so it, obviously not so important. So people end up either doing it without thinking, or you know, just not really paying attention to it. And uh, Tishmune, you should listen. You should do it. The Kliyakar has a very interesting understanding of Rashi's statement. Kli says it's referring to the chukim. We learned last uh, last week's part. We learned in Parshas Chukas about the chukim. But mitzvos that we don't really know the reason for. You know, I, there are reasons. Obviously, we only do the mitzvot because Hashem told us to do them. But it's good to have a reason. You know, there's a, there's a practical purpose for the mitzvot. But there are some mitzvot that you can think about today and tomorrow. You do not understand why they were given by Hashem. They, there can't be a reason. For example, the parah aduma. The red heifer, you know, taking the cow mixing its ashes for someone who is tamay, someone who is impure, someone who is impure from a dead body, and mixing the ashes, and now pouring on him, and now he becomes far. How, how does that work? So, um, you can't understand. Surashi is saying those mitzvahs, they don't have a logical, human being-related reason for, even those mitzvahs don't trample upon. Those are the mitzvahs. And if you don't trample on, it says, Kliyakar explains, if you don't trample on those mitzvahs, why would you trample on those mitzvahs? Yeah, Hashem told you to do them. They're the same thing as every other mitzvah. Says the Kliyakar, because these mitzvahs that don't have a reason, people, the umos ha'olam, the nations of the world, will laugh at you. What are you doing that for? You know, you want to tell me that you have a mitzvah in the Torah, you know, Kaveh dasavich havi Show respect for your elders, your parents. I can understand that. People don't do it. It makes sense. Tzedakah, giving charity. Everyone in Hollywood gives charity. I can understand that. Some mitzvot, you know, uh, I can't think of one off the top of my head, but you know, even mitzvah, tzitzit, it it has a practical reason. But you know, people don't really understand. What are you doing that for? What is the purpose? What do you need it for? says the Kliyakar, but if you say, hey, no, 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 you know, the peer pressure from the outside world, world tells me that there's absolutely no reason I'm doing this, but I still do it. That is when the blessings, Hashem, Moshe's blessings that He gives to the Jews for His passing comes into effect. uverachta and I will love you, and I will bless you. Uverach and I will bless your children, and I will bless the, your ground, your work, your money if you care about the mitzvot, that peer pressure tells you not to do. I think this is a tremendous important lesson. If you look through the Torah, there's many different um, times where where peer pressure comes in and and negative peer pressure, positive peer pressure. Let's take a look at at peer pressure and how bad it could be. And also the flip side, how good peer pressure could be. So if you look at Parshas, um, Parshas Korach, Korach, for those who are not familiar with the story, was a very holy man who lived in the time of the Midbar, in the desert, when the Jews were in the desert. And he was a a tremendous leader of Klai Yisrael, a tremendous man. However, he made a mistake. He got, to make this long story short, he got a little jealous of Moshe and Aaron becoming becoming the Kohen Gadol. And he went and he, he started a rebellion against Moshe. Um, he was not the only leader, though. He had two other, three other leaders, says the Torah, they tell us who these leaders were. I read from the, the text, Vayikach, Korach, and Korach took Ben Itzar, who was <laughs> the son of Yitzar, Ben Kahas, who was the son of Kahos, Ben Levi, Vidasan Vaviram, and the notorious gangsters, Dasan Vaviram, who we hear so much about in the Torah, of, <laughs> I say gangsters, I don't mean gangsters, but they were troublemakers, you know, uh, I used to, in, in school, I used to be branded as the troublemaker. You know, oh no, he's in my class, you know. I could only hear the Rebbeim, you know, indivisible speaking to each other. The teachers, oh, I have this guy in my class. Oh no, you know. So, with does and Baviram, they were the troublemakers. The Torah speaks about different stories. The Medrash goes on explaining some of the things they had done. B'nai Eliyav, and also this man, on ben Pelas. Ruvain, they were children of Ruvain. Rashi comments something very interesting. How is it that... Well, you could think about it. Who is Korach? He was from the tribe of Levi. Who was the other three leaders? They were all from the tribe of Reuben. Rashi comments that how is it that all the three leaders, three out of four leaders are from one tribe, says Rashi that... There was more than just a coincidence that who, these were the leaders of the rebellion were. It says Rashi that the place where Shavet Ruvain, the tribe of Ruvain, encamped in the desert, their next door neighbors was the tribe of Levi, specifically the section of Kahas, the family of Kahas, Kahat, who was? From the family of Kehas, no, no, other, none other than the leader of the rebellion, Korach. And since Korach was right next door, or figuratively right next door, but in the same area as Ruvain he had a tremendous, tremendous impact of the when he started his rebellion of the people of Ruvain and they joined him. A lot of the, even the holy leaders of Ruvain joined him, and that that hurt them a lot. But you think about it. I have a question. My question is, and I don't know if this is I, I think it's a good question, doesn't Vaviram don't need excuses to go against Moshe? If you look through the Midrashim, you look through the uh, different parsons, doesn't Vaviram, any chance they have a chance to give Moshe, throw in Moshe's side, they they do it. They weren't such, you know, I don't know, good guys they still you know, they're still part of Klaya, so I'm sure they were very they did a lot of mitzvot, but you know, do you really, Rashi? You really got to give them an excuse. You know, doesn't Aviram because the reason why they joined Korach is because because uh, you know they joined Korach because against Moshe, because they were from the tribe of Reuben and Reuben was right next to Kohath. Ah, what do I need that reason for? They joined Reuben, and and Rashi says he says that's the reason. He they joined Reuben. They joined, sorry, they joined Korach because they wanted to cause trouble. <laughs> Why can't you just give that answer? I, I would have accepted that. Knowing their history. Says Rashi. I think the Rashi is telling us something tremendous. To go against Moshe is tremendous, tremendous, you know, other tremendous sin. To join with that, you can't just be like a nunnik. You can't just be not a good guy. You have to be. There has to be something influencing. There has to be some peer pressure. There has to be something really... Really, you know, strong pulling you in. You know, Korach had his reasonings. He he thought he should have been the nasi of his tribe, the leader of his tribe, and then you know it, it, it snowballed into wanting the position of Aaron. But, but Reuven didn't really have a stake in the game. You know, we see later on, On Ben Peles wife, convinces him to 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 eject himself from the rebellion through this idea. What you what are you gaining? You're still going to be owned in palace, even if Korach and his, his, uh, his minions, for lack of a better word, win. So I think what Rashi is telling us, though, that Das and Avir might have not joined the rebellion if they were not neighbors. The influence of Korach influenced them to join, and that was what influenced them. If they were from a different tribe or they weren't neighbors, to go, they probably wouldn't have joined. Even them, who, you know, like trouble, gave Moshe some trouble in the Midbar, wouldn't have joined. It's amazing, you think about it, how much influence the people around us have to us. I think even though, you know, it's a an fliv- uh, um, interesting comparison, you think about it, the food that I like is usually the food that I was brought up with. You know, I had a I, ran, I was a head counselor at a camp this summer, and my staff and I were talking after camp. You know, one of the counselors we're talking about food, you know, what we like. You know, it's a funny conversation to have with a bunch of Yeshiva bachor, a bunch of Shiva guys. But uh, one of the the Svardi counselors said to me, he's like, Ugh, oh, potato that's disgusting." So I looked at him and I'm like, potato kagul? That's the best food in the world. Like, what do you mean? My mother used to make me fresh potato kagul every single every single Shabbos. My wife makes it every Shabbos. It's the most, ah, oh, I look forward to Shabbos so I can eat potato kagul. And he's like, nah. Ugh. And then he mentions some uh, some dish that he eats at home. I don't remember what he said. And I, and I said, ugh, I tried it once. It wasn't good. You know, it, you know, we also, we can have our likes. But I think it has to do with what we get used to. You know, what we, we're, 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 we're not just get used to, but what we're influenced by, what we have around us. Um, it's a of, it, it, Interestingly enough, this plays a big role in my life. You know, when I was a younger, when I was in 12th grade in high school, I wasn't really into, you know, me be a rabbi, I would laugh in your face. Me be a rabbi, ugh, are you kidding me? No way. You know as soon as high school is over i take the gemara i close it and have a nice day and um i decided that i was going to go for one year to learn after you know to yeshiva after i finished high school i don't know why i decided it but i decided to go interestingly enough that year in 12th grade i dormed and uh, i was in the dorm in yeshiva and they put me in a room, not with my friends. My friends were in a different room. They put me in a room with other kids in the in the class that weren't really, well, we were friendly. They were nice kids. They just weren't, they weren't my buddies, you know, my uh, the, the fellow troublemakers in the class. I'm assuming they did that on purpose. They didn't want me to be in the same dorm room as the fellow troublemakers. Now, interestingly enough, I think that that was the reason I went to um, one year base medicine. It snowballed into many years after that. And eventually my profession as a Rebbe, and I think that's because the influence of these kids, these kids were really good kids. And they cared about their Torah, and they cared about the mitzvot, and, you know, it, it, it rubbed off on me, no matter how much I tried not to. When I decided I wanted to go to yeshiva, my Rebbe sent me, he was aggressively pushed me to go to a certain yeshiva. Not where my friends were going. And at the time I didn't realize, because he wanted to distance me from my friends, because, you know, peer pressure could, could really, you know, change you know, and obviously these friends I had weren't, <laughs> they were great guys, I love them, but uh, they weren't care that much about Torah mitzvot at the time. So, uh, you know, peer pressure, who we surround ourselves with. Now, Pek Yavot, Just one last thing on this topic before we go on, the partial Pek Yavot, it's uh pik Yavot saying, Perik Aleph Mishlevav. Yeshua ben Parkis says the most amazing thing, Aselech Arav, make for yourself a Rebbe. rev get a rabbi. And acquire for yourself a friend. Now, he says more things will stop there, but let's see what words he uses for to make yourself a friend and a rabbi. Make for yourself a rabbi. Go get a rabbi. Tell him, okay, you're my rabbi. I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to grow with you. That's ase. What's ukine? Kone, to acquire something. Usually is used in Gemara to, to refer to. In the Gemara speak, in Torah speak, usually you refer to buying something. I'm Kona. Right? Well, what? You can buy yourself a friend, so the Rabbeinu Yonah says yes. The reason why they use the word of Lech he says, is because it's specifically talking about if you can't, any way possible, if it's friendship that you have to buy, even, you know, do it. Find yourself a good friend. The question is why? Why do we have to be, you know, a, f- a friend that could help you grow. What's so you know? Why is it more important, so to speak, than make for yourself a rabbi? Beinu says, and uh, different mafarshim agree, uh, say this also: that when it comes to a friend, a friend can tell you things that a rabbi can't tell you. Peer pressure. My rabbi tells me, "Don't talk during davening." Okay. Tfilah. Shh. Be quiet. Okay, you know when he backs his back is back is turned. Okay, he's a ho- holy man. He talks to Hashem bar God listens to his tefilot. Me? Ah, who am I? But if my friend, you know, my friend is sitting there quietly, dominating also. You know, I can compare myself to him. We're, we're 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 similar on similar fields. We're not. He's not better than me. He could he could. You know, I'll listen to him. Obviously, he's not going to tell me. Shh, but he'll, he'll. You know, dude, come on, relax. You know, shh. You know, in a nice way. Um, and I think I think friends usually have more leeway because we don't think they're greater than us; they're on the same playing field as us. And the, the tremendous—I uh, I work with children. I'm a rebbe in yeshiva, and I see it. And I teach in two different schools, and I see it all the time—high school, elementary school, all the time—that um, peer pressure it could change a the the kids' life, and we have to be careful. To to surround ourselves with, with friends who are who are Al Torah on the pathway of Torah who want to grow. You know, even if they're not perfect, because no one is perfect. No one. Um, if they want to grow, then we'll want to grow too. You know, and to be a good friend of ourselves. Tremendous, you know, peer pressure can have a tremendous negative, it can have such a positive thing, also. Okay, let's go on to later on in the parsha. Um, the Torah tells us a little bit. On we see Moshe continues his his um, his speech, and we find it inside the Chumash. We're talking about Ve'achalta. It says Ve'achalta ve'savato ve'rachta and you shall eat, and you shall be satiated ve'rachta and you shall bless. You shall bless. This is the source for benching for Birchat Hamazon, and. Interestingly enough, Rabbi Moshe Feinstein in his Sefer Darash, Davi, Darash Moshe asks a very interesting question about um, Birchat Hamazon, about benching. He says, if you look through benching, the Chazal, the rabbis, during Birchat Amazon, when we thank Hashem for giving us food, he says, we daven, we pray for the rebuilding of Yerushalayim, of Jerusalem, and we pray for the kingdom, kingship of the house of David. He asks a question, though. He goes, okay, that's very important. Shemona Esrei. It's right there. Go open the sitter. Right? We have it there. It's right there. Two brachot. More than that. Could be construed to ask for Mashiach. There's a lot of things. Gali, Yisrael why are we mentioning it in benching? Right? Imagine for a second, I don't know, next time you say, after you use the restroom, I want you to look at, think about the words. The words are directly to the usage of the facilities. You're thanking God for having your body work, for, for making letting your body work normally. Imagine for a second we put in Yerushalayim in there. What's that for? No, it's important. So, same thing with Berchat Mazon. With, uh, why is or right? Why is this all in there? Uh, and his answers very interesting, using a Gemary and in Brachot in Masechtas Brachos. It says that Hakadosh Baruch who says, "Now, what's the halacha if I eat bread? Right, the Kesayis Kebetza, right? That's the amount I have to." eat. Eat in order to make Birchah Tamazon. Says Hashanah Kadosh look at the Jews, I commanded them, look at my, my children, I commanded them, to when they get satiated, when they're full, and they make Birchah mazon, even on a kazais, even on a small amount. And uh, in a praise, look, uh, look how beautiful they are. So says Moshe Feinstein, explaining that Gemara, says, what does that Gemara mean? It means that it's talking about someone, for example, let's say an Ani, a poor person. All he has is a kezayis. All he has is a small amount. Very little, right? A poor person, unfortunately, he has one piece of bread. Is he full? No, he's still hungry. But yet, he's going to sit down, and he's going to praise Hashem, because he understands that everything, even a little bit amount, he says this can even translate to someone who has a lot, an Usher, a rich person. Or someone, middle class, you know, middle class, I have a loaf of bread on my counter, a few in the freezer, you know, we have food to eat. But yet if we, every bit we eat, every kazayis, every amount, you know, olive full we eat, we think about, ah, oh, a Baruch who gave us this, it's, it's fit to praise Him just on this amount even though it's not enough I'm not full you know, you know I know some people that can eat a loaf of bread and they're still not full <laughs> but uh, you know most of us a few pieces of bread you know will get us going some peanut butter fantastic but you know it, but even a little bit we're still going to praise HaKadosh Baruch Hu Please, we're going to take a second I think we can learn amazing when we when you say Birch it shouldn't just be oh I just ate a Shabbat meal or Shabbat Shabbat meal which well, I mean I don't know what you're eating, but my family, we have chalk, we have kukul, we have chala, ooh, hummus, you know, some. we even have some Israeli influence on our table, tahina, you know, mabucha, and we're sitting there eating, Ah, oh, you know, to use some some Yiddish, mamish fressing. We're, we're eating. And, um, yeah, then, oh, then we're going to batch. We we'll sit back, we could barely sit up from the chair to grab the grab the sitter to, to say berchah the Muslim. And <laughs> Oh, you know, Baruch, yeah, we can barely talk. We have a little bit left, you know, dessert comes out, we have plenty of room. But when we say al Muslim the full belly, no, even with not, even a little bit, even if we just ate a kazayas, it is fit to praise the Baruch Hu because everything comes from him, And if we have that realization, even when we do eat a lot, that everything comes from our Kodesh Baruch Hu, even a little bit, and if we had a little bit, we'd praise him, if it's fit to praise him, then that would, that would change our al hamazon. It would change our, our tfila. Now I know, for me specifically This is very big Because I can't really eat a lot of bread I have uh, intolerance to gluten So I eat a little bit Enough to make berch Amazon if, if I'm lucky, you know We have spelt challah or a different challah to eat <clears> Oat <throat> challah um, And berch al I, I I don't say it during the week I can't, I can't eat bread, it hurts But on Shabbat I eat a little bit Or I get oat challah or something special for Shabbat And um, yeah, berch means a lot more to me now because I don't say it often, and when I do say it, oh wow! You know, Hashem gave me a tremendous, you know, gift to praise Him, to to eat, to feel full. Okay, let's continue to the next portion of the parsha. At the end of the parsha, one of my all-time favorite um, pesukim it says, "In the end of the parsha, says VeAta Yisrael." Va'ata with an ayin, vav ayin tav, Yisrael, and translating va'ata into now, Yisrael Jews, ma Hashem elokecha sh'ol mimcha. What does Hakadosh Baruch Hu Hashem? What does He ask from you? Ki imli ira. only to, to fear, Him. and then it says ulehava to love Him. It goes on to do the mitzvot. I always, I always see this pasuk when pasuk when we are leaning in shul every year. The same thought goes over my head, you know. What does Hakadosh Baruch Hu want from you? Eh, not too hard, you know. We have to, you know, fear him and love him and do all the mitzvot. And you know, I heard from from a rabbi on a CD on a tape. Um, he was saying, I don't know what the source was. He's saying that there was a safer that he found that they say, how do you get Ruach Kodesh? How do you get uh, So, Kodesh?", uh, So he said the first one is that you go and um, you know, focus on love of mitzvos. Then what's the next thing we do after focusing on love of mitzvos? Then we go and so I'll skip the second one. The third one is you go to the mikvah. But what's the second one? Are you ready for this? Second one is you keep all the myths so all six hundred and thirteen to the best ability. <laughs> Tall order. Yeah, not so hard, yeah. But I, mean, I tell you so, what does a cushion want to kill me or you have to fear him? Who you have I love It's almost a little bit uh you know interesting, but uh, but that's what a cush Baruch who wants, to fear, to love him. But um there's a safer that my father showed to me a while back, written by my father's, I think, great uncle. This saver called Chasan Yeshaya or great great uncle Chasan Yeshaya and I saw in this an interesting idea. Um, he wants to know what is this with this word ve'ata vav ayin and now just, just write Yisrael kechav What's and now? So he says he brings proof from Chazal that what does ve'ata mean? it means it's, a, it's talking about doing tshuva repenting returning to HaKadosh Baruch so says he quotes the Ratsahag Milublin Sayyid HaKadosh Baruch Hu he quotes him as saying that what is tshuva I'll read it inside Shekho Echad Yomer every person says ma Habi. whatever happened, happened Mahayom V'hala from now on, I'm going to be good. I had a student <laughs> that after, uh, unfortunately, you know, he wasn't really behaving so nicely, um, to say the least. I remember we had this conversation like 12 times the whole year. I, 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 I love this child. He was such a good kid. But you know, we always, Rabbi, from today on, I'll be perfect. You know? <laughs> But all joking aside what he's saying is is that it, that's the first real step of Tshuva wanting to do Tshuva whatever I did I did it was terrible I'm going to have you know regret on what I did but I'm going to get up and I'm going to try better I'm going to I'm going to go away from the Avera that I did I'm going to do better tova. I'm going to begin to do good and this is what it means via Yisrael and you Israel. Yisrael Jews, Yedin, Yehudim, now that it's time to do, to go away from what you were before. Ma Hashem Now, put aside everything you did before. Now, let's begin anew. Beautiful. Kim Liyar, then you can get up and Liyar, to fear Hashem, to love Hashem. I want to take out of this an important idea that I think is very important for everyone to hear. And if you heard it already, to hear again and again and again and again and again. It's never too late. Yeah, there are some people who do things that are not good. Yeah, myself, I do things that are not okay. However, very important. Ma Hashem elukecha kim What happened, happened. Yes. Now it's time to pick yourself up and do tshuva. Return to HaKadosh Baruch I always had a question. We say in tefillah, in davening, in shemona esrei, in amida, we say "Hashiveinu Hashem lekech v'nashuva." Oh, we say, sorry, I misquoted that wrong. We say "Hashiveinu," we ask Hashem to to for to bring us back to do tshuva. We have to ask Hakadosh Baruch Hu to bring us back to do tshuva. and the answer is because tshuva, you know, repentance do, being is hard, but we're asking Hakadosh Baruch Hu, We say, listen, Hakadosh Baruch Hu, Bring this back to you. I want to do better. Whatever happened, happened. But I'm willing to do. I, obviously, I have to do. I have to, you know, feel bad for what I did. And I have to vow that I'm never going to do it again. And I have to work on myself. That I don't fall to that again. But to fear him, to love him. It's never too late to pick yourself back up and do that. If somebody tells you it is too late, tell them I said they're wrong. With that, I wish you a Shabbat Shalom, good Shabbos, and uh, we'll see you next week. Good night.